You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk a little more sim baseball, and then we're going to continue the greatest team's uh, historical uh, trend that we're doing this week. We talked about 54, we talked about 48, and let's just be honest, we're going to talk about 1920, the only other time the Indians won a World Series. That is another year that is fascinating for just a ton of reasons that we will get into in the second half of the show. So, the sim, uh, Wednesday show... I was trying to recall off the top of my head if we talked about the Wednesday game. I don't believe we had. Um, no, we had, because I talked about Adam Simber and his wonderful implosion. So we have a Thursday game and a Friday game. The Indians are finally back at home at this point, uh, this Thursday and Friday. They have the Rays. We talked about the brutal schedule that is upcoming where you have the Rays, then the Tigers, so that's not so much. But then it goes Red Sox, A's, Yankees, Rays. But the Indians are back home for these four against the Rays and three against the Tigers. Game one of this three-game series saw Tyler Glass now against Zach Plesak of the Indians. It was a rough game for Plesak, who gave up um, four home runs. Uh, so one of the things in this game is I have not turned off the trade technology. So that is happening in the background of the game. So some interesting things that have occurred. Uh... For some reason, the Dodgers traded for a pair of first basemen. I don't know why they traded for two first basemen, but they went out and got Dan Vogelbach from Seattle and Brandon Belt from the Giants. Uh, Brandon Belt cost them Josiah Gray, and for some reason, Vogelbach cost them even more as he cost them Caleb Ferguson and Dustin May. Uh, Some other things to note is that the (laughs) Red Sox traded for um, Jonathan Villar, who they could have gotten for free. Uh, the Dodgers and the Mets made a minor deal where the Dodgers added, uh, traded Dennis Santana for Wilson Ramos. Uh, I've talked about my love of Abri- Abraham Toro. Well, the Reds acquired him from Houston, who needed a catcher and wanted to get Tucker Barnhart. I wondered where Eloy Jimenez had gone. Well, in a fascinating in-game trade, because Eloy Jimenez is a, is a you know, highly rated player in game. They traded for Christian Javier, who's currently working out of their pen, but is also a equally high level pitcher. Now with the the Astros pitching woes, I was kind of surprised to see them do that. Uh, the the Dodgers have been extremely aggressive. Uh, Gavin Lux, not all that highly rated in the game. Um, if we're being honest, he's like a, an 80-81, which is pretty low for his prospect level. So they flipped him for Kirby Yates. Uh, Estrupal Cabrera... <laughs> was traded for by the Braves to fill their third base slot, and they gave up uh, Kyle Mueller and a lesser prospect. And here was the the one that kind of blew my mind, which was uh, when I was facing the Rays, and I bring up all this, is that the Rays traded for JT Realmuto, and they traded Joe Ryan. Now, Joe Ryan, in my mind, is not one of the top prospects for the Rays, but in this game, uh, he's a starting pitcher who's 23 years old. He could probably pitch right now in the majors for the Phillies. He's currently in double-A. But uh, two above 80-grade pitches, which not a lot of guys have. That's like a number two, three type. Uh, Low-grade fastball, though, but I was kind of shocked that uh, we saw that happen. 98 movement grade. This is on a 100 scale. 83 for his command. Power is only a 69. Again, very low fastball, guys. Like, okay, well, the Rays got more dangerous. So 
I, I bring this up because Romuto hit a pair of home runs off of Plesak, who goes six and two-thirds, gives up eight runs, five earned. He struck out six. Uh, those five earned runs came on the 10 hits and a walk, 114 innings, or 114 pitches on six and two-thirds innings. Uh, Karen Chalk relieved him. He went two-thirds of an inning, gave up one run on two hits, two walks, and struck out two. And then Dominic Leone came in and won in two-thirds of an inning. He gave up one run on two hits, two walks, and two strikeouts. At that point, uh, the game was pretty firmly out of reach. The Rays had a big six-run fifth inning. The Indians were actually up 2 nothing entering the fifth, and that is where the wheels kind of came off. That is where uh, you know the majority of those runs came off of Plesak in this one an error two errors in the game by Carlos Santana and one by Jose Ramirez Jose Ramirez did have his fifth home run of the game Carlos Santana hit into three double plays a rough game for him one for Cesar Hernandez one for Jose Ramirez one for Francisco Lindor just three walks for the Indians um uh, the Indians had three runs on five hits and three errors no multi-hit games uh, Fran Mil Reyes had a hit and a walk. He is your, and Jose Ramirez had a hit and a walk. Those are the only players to reach base multiple times. Uh, you go down Luplo, Perez, and Hernandez all failed to reach base. Uh, Perez had four strikeouts, Luplo three, and Hernandez two. So the bottom of the lineup was pretty much a disaster. Uh, Tyler Glasnow on the other side. Seven, two th- seven and one third, I'm sorry. Two runs on four hits, three walks, and 11 strikeouts. He kept the the Indians off balance this whole game. Final box score is ten to three. Uh, the Rays over the Indians. Rays had fourteen hits and an error, as opposed to the Indians' five hits and three errors. Drops the Indians to six and eight. Uh, the game took three hours and thirty eight minutes. Twenty four thousand fans in appearance and uh, forty six degrees Fahrenheit on April the ninth. So this will post on the 10th. So we'll see if uh, any of that matches up. The Friday night game, which you'll find out how they're going to do before that game has even played. But here we go. Uh, 58 degrees Fahrenheit. This game is going to take 3 hours and 11 minutes, 24,000 in attendance. Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Indians. Uh, Brendan McKay on the mound for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. In this one, the... The Rays score early, getting a run, but the Indians have a big five-run fifth inning. Uh, you see uh, it starts with Ramirez and Santana. Uh, or I'm sorry, Ramirez and Santana had reached base the previous inning, so then the next inning um, starts with Domingo Santana and Luplo reaching base, and then through the rest of the lineup, and all comes together with a big three-run shot by Jose Ramirez, his sixth of the year. Uh Domingo Santana, also in the game, would have a home run his second, as would Oscar Mercado for his third. Jose Ramirez would also have a double his sixth in the game. He would go three for four on the day with a run and three RBIs. Mercado, two for four with three RBIs and two runs scored. While the Indians had eight runs, it was only on six hits. And of those hits, of those six hits... Five of them were Mercado and Ramirez. Uh, the only other hit was the Domingo Santana home run. Roberto Perez did reach base twice uh, via the walk, and the other walks in the game went to Carlos Santana and Cesar Hernandez. Carlos Carrasco would go five and a third innings, give up three runs on ten hits and strike out six. Oliver Perez came in and pitched for three innings, and he gave up three hits, uh, two earned runs, struck out four, 
and those two earned runs came by a home run by Austin Meadows. Uh, Brad Hand would come in in the ninth, pitch two-thirds of an inning, give up one hit, and strike out one. As Carlos Santana picks up a second win of the year, he is already in the top ten in wins, even though he's only had two starts, but he won both of them. Final box score in this one is the Rays only get five runs on 14 hits. The Indians get eight on six hits and an error. Brad Mill Reyes had your error in this one. Brendan McKay only goes three and a third innings, gives up eight runs all earned on six hits, four walks, and three strikeouts. So the Indians, with the win on Friday, are now up to 7-8. and eight. Uh, They'll have a chance, it's a four-game series, to end up over 500 if they can win this series. And that is where we are as of April 10th with the Cleveland Indians. Our sponsor today is Postmates. You know what their, uh, how they are and what their belief system is. It is that it gets you what you want when you want it with the most convenience. If it's groceries, if it's uh, something from the local uh, takeout place, if it's fast food, they're going to get it and bring it to your door. And in these times of social distancing, it is nice to not have to go out in public. I myself have asthma. Um, I have experienced what it's like to be on a ventilator. It is no fun. Uh, so I am a little bit more afraid to go out personally. So Postmates is perfect for me during these times. Maybe this isn't the most happy ad read, but it's the most honest. So something that Postmates is fantastic because I can get things delivered and I don't have to worry about going out there and catching something which could make me very, very ill. So take advantage of the current deal we have with Postmates. You're going to want to go and download the app. You're going to use the promo code Locked On, And for the next seven days, uh, you can get up to $100 off their service charge so you're gonna go use this and it's a hundred dollars off that first service charge max this out go and get what you need and don't have to pay that additional service you know the uh the the amount in there that is for your convenience you're not going to pay the for your convenience for the next seven days so take advantage of it get as much as you can really build that thing up and take advantage of of that deal while you can stay at home it's what's best for all of us so I'm going to be honest with everybody. I actually am recording this now for the second time. The first time I tried to talk about the 1920 Indians, I left stuff out, which I realized as I was recording. And uh, the final count on the recording was 32 minutes in length. Uh, so what I have done is completely deleted all of that. So that's that's just a first draft. The 1920 Indians, there are too many stories to talk about. There's too many bits and pieces in that World Series. There's just too many players. So um, we're going to dig in the 1920 Indians, uh, one of the Indians' two World Series champions championships, their first World Series championship. But we are not going to actually talk about the World Series today. That'll be saved for Monday show. We're going to just kind of get into the team, the transactions they made, some of where these guys went to, players on the team, and of course the Ray Chapman tragedy that occurred in season. So without further ado, uh, let's start with the transactions of 1920 that stood out. So the first big one is that the Indians buy George Burns off the Philadelphia Athletics for $10,000. If you look at the 1920 Indians on baseball reference, the first baseman of note is Doc Johnson. Johnson um, played... 147 games so I mean he was still playing even after they got Burns Burns appeared in 27 games with the Indians uh, I'm kind of curious to look at some of the box scores now um, to see exactly what they were doing with uh, a pair of first basemen in the game Burns was typically at first Johnson would pinch hit in the game uh, 
So Burns is an interesting acquisition for a few reasons. One, the team would eventually trade him away uh, in a, a trade. Well, let's just get into his trade history. <laughs> and as kind of par for the course, multiple guys on this team, they would trade away and then trade to reacquire at a later date. So they trade him with Elmore Smith, who Elmer Smith, I should say, who uh, was the starting left fielder on this team. Not to be confused with Elmore Fleck, the uh, one of the all-time great right fielders in Indians history. But Elmer Smith was someone that the Indians had traded away as well earlier. But eventually they would trade Elmer Smith, Joe Harris, and George Burns to Boston for first baseman Stuffy McInnes. McInnes would play one year in Cleveland and then be re- released. So that's that's a big failure of a trade. Because then the, uh, in 1924, they would decide they want to get Burns back, and they get him, Chick Fester, and Roxy Waters. But the they trade two of the starters from this 1920 championship team, Steve O'Neill, the greatest catcher probably in franchise history, along with Bill Wamgas, who uh, has a massive play in the 1920 World Series, that um, even though he is not someone really of note for how he played, uh, had one of the biggest plays of all of 1920 and in, in kind of in baseball and World Series history. So am I spending this time on Burns, a guy who in 1920, like I said, appeared in 44 games, 64 plate appearances. In 21, he's still not a full-time player, uh, and he gets traded away. Goes to Boston, finishes 21st and then 10th in the MVP. Gets traded back to Cleveland, as I mentioned. First year, a solid performer. At this point, he is 31 years of age, but it's, it's a a bit of a down year compared to his previous in Boston. Has a really good 1925, and in 1926 wins the MVP. Now, there's just not a lot of guys in Cleveland history who have won the MVP award, so that stands out. Led the league in doubles that year with 64 and hits with 216. Uh, big year for him. He'd be with the Indians in 27 as well, and part of 28, and then the Indians would trade him away. Um uh, I'm sorry. Then the Yankees bought him from the Cleveland Indians at that point. It wasn't a, a straight trade away. So we talked about that. Let's go back to Elmer Smith, who was in the first deal we talked about when he gets traded for Stuffy McInnes. Elmer Smith um, was traded along with Joe Leonard to the Washington Senators for Joe Bowling and Danny Moeller. Neither of those guys really appeared in my 1920 research. This was in 1916, so neither of those guys really turned into anything. Eventually, the Indians would buy him back for $4,000. And then, as mentioned, uh, he ends up going to uh, Boston. Boston then trades him and Chick uh, Fuster, who also came over in that Indians deal, uh, along with Johnny Mitchell to get lefty O'Doul back in the Red Sox. And that's in 22. Remember, 20 was... uh, Babe Ruth's first year with the Red Sox as well. It's interesting. Like the early Red Sox are clearly a team of massive uh, ownership issues, struggles, and money. You know, Babe Ruth gets sold off, and that's been talked about. But I mean, to the Boston fans at the time, the bigger story was probably the selling off of Tris Speaker, who was part of the core best hitter on those nineteen on the nineteen twenty Indians. Uh, Smokey Joe Wood, the Indians bought off of them. We'll talk about him in a bit uh but yeah it's it's kind of interesting to watching how these go how many guys the indians trade away and they come back so let's talk about elmer smith uh just his time in cleveland 
when he came up as a 21 and 22 year old, he really didn't do a whole lot to establish himself. Partway through the his third season is when he gets traded off, reacquired partway through the 1917 season. The 1919, 1920, and 1921 are really the years that stand out, where he is a well above league average bat. 1920 is his best year as a player, and the outfield is quite strong for the Indians that year. When you look at Tris Speaker in center field, who's one of the, you know, we can spend forever talking about his greatness, or you can go listen to the all-time center field episode. Um, Charlie Jamison in left, who, if you're talking top five Indians left fielders of all time, uh, you would certainly have to talk about him. He's part of that discussion. Uh, We've already talked about the fact that, you know, I think I quietly mentioned that their catcher was Steve O'Neill who is also, you can go listen to the all-time Indians catching episode because he's who I picked as their all-time catcher. Third base, Larry Gardner is one of those solid steady performers. Uh, Ray Chapman was a very good shortstop. Someone who is just outside of the Indians' top five shortstop uh, talk and debate. It's a very deep position. He was a very good player who was just 29 years of age when he uh, is struck by a baseball in the head and it, it kills him. Um, just the second baseball player to for that that has happened to. Uh, it kind of, I don't know if I want to say it mars the whole season. It just, was it uh, Mike Doc Powers in 1909 and in a game against the Yankees on August 17th, he's hit by a pitch and result, you know, that ends up killing him. The, I mean, it's, it's a massive loss, and the Indians played the rest of the season in his memory. But you also have to talk about the fact that when Chapman, with what happens with Chapman, the next guy up is Joe, Joe Sewell. I keep wanting to say Joel when I talk about him. Uh, but Joe Sewell, who is just 21 years of age, goes on to have a Hall of Fame career, mostly playing with the Indians, also does have some time there with the Yankees, another guy who gets purchased away because that's what the Yankees can do, especially back then. But Joe Sewell comes up, and at 21 years of age, the the stage is not too big for him. Uh, he is pretty phenomenal from the drop, and he would play in Cleveland through 1930 before he ends up going over to the Yankees. And just to confirm how they acquired him, he was released by the Indians, uh, and then four days later signed with the New York Yankees. I'd have to go look into the specifics to see, you know, how and what happened there. But uh, the Indians were lucky that they had a Hall of Famer waiting in the wings. And I'm going to kind of cut it off there. Uh, on the second attempt to keep it short, I was able to keep it down to 28 minutes. So I'm going to cut that bit. We're still more to talk about the 1920 season. We haven't even touched on the World Series, which uh, had four or five uh, historical monumental moments, uh, record-setting uh, feats and such. So the World Series is, is in and of itself a long commitment. So we're going to cut it off here. We'll talk about some more players on Monday. We'll talk about the World Series itself, talk about the pitching staff. And it's an interesting pitching staff from the perspective that they're, they're big three pitchers really kind of saved the day. But the guys who appeared in the sixth, seventh, and eighth most appearances for the Indians that year were all traded or released in the midst of the season. I want to remind everyone to tune in on Monday to hear more about the 1920 Indians. I want to remind everyone you can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You can tell all of your smart devices to play Locked On Indians, Locked On Fantasy Focus, all of our great Locked On podcasts. 
As always, you guys have been fantastic. And remember, go Tribe.